So now I'm all fired up. <laughs> all right, we're live. What's up, guys? John Sintas here, Cutter Nation Podcast. It's the I Wish I Threw 97 number podcast. <laughs> and Cass Kreitlow, Alex Rojas on the podcast. We just had a fiery, why wasn't this on air? So I'm just going to let Alex go ahead and ask the question since you, everybody knows who you are. You've been on the podcast a bunch. Let me set the prompt real quick. Okay. okay. So you and I have been having conversations literally before this got started about acceleration and deceleration, right? You can physically see it in kids. Like I can tell, like you look like you're trying to slow down more than you're trying to go fast, mm -hmm. right? And I saw that in some of our kids. And I was trying over the course of our workout, our movement, not throwing, but movement, like I'm trying to get them more and more into acceleration. And it got to the point where I had to engage a little bit into like, a, hey, move your ass. That was the idea. And I'm not a big coach like that because I know that not a lot of kids respond that way. Like a lot of kids, especially right now in these weird times, like nobody wants to get their, their ass chewed out, right? And so I don't do that. Most of the time it's learn and understand, but I'm like, you guys look like you don't want to throw hard or hit hard. You guys look like you're just okay with just kind of, and I get it. Like that's how you're programmed to move, right? If you're, you're programmed more to worry about defense after you throw the pitch than you are throwing the pitch, it's going to affect how you throw. And so then Cass hit me with an excellent rebuttal. How do you keep the joy but still keep the idea of, uh, hey, I need you to move. I need you to, like, work hard. And I was just at jujitsu for two hours this morning. 5 a.m., get to jujitsu around 6, spend about two hours training this morning. Then I did some striking, and I'm learning how to be left-handed because I'm predominantly right-handed. I am very fluent here. I can do a lot of stuff. Now I'm learning, and one of the main things is I was working with my coach – is my head position kind of goes crazy. And so I was getting really frustrated at my head position and he kept bringing me in to like, a, do you like, do you understand how crazy it is that it's just your head that's making everything feel slow or out of balance and all this other stuff. And it was keeping me dialed in to like understanding like, Hey, that's my adjustment, but I'm still having fun. Like I'm getting hit stuff. Like it's, it's a good time. And so I know for me personally, I have to lean into the frustration, just like we were talking about that. I, I, that's just me. Like I, I remember I had like this thought the other day where I was, <laughs> I got chewed out by a catching coach after like, I had a really good game and then I didn't have a good practice like the next day. And I remember he chewed me out to kingdom come. And I remember being in the batting cage and having like super aggressive batting practice. Cause I was like, you think that I can't catch like stuff like that, like just going <laughs> crazy, dude. And I remember hitting like really well. Like I remember being off the team and being like, this is like the hardest I think I've ever hit. And like leaning into that for me works, but for a lot of people that does it, that like clouds them, you know, it, it makes them feel like number one, I'm not happy. Like I don't want to be angry throwing a ball or hitting a baseball or, you know, I enjoy the idea of this. I don't want to make this like a job sense. Cause I think that's what a lot of kids do at an early age is like, they make it into their job. It's like, bro, you're 14. <laughs> like this isn't your job yet. And I don't know how I do that. So how would you do that, Cass? How would you get a kid to not lean into the aggression but lean into the play factor but acknowledge that they're frustrated? Um, well, first, I can't stop thinking about Kyle Wagner. Um, my friend Kyle Wagner has written a book. 
Um, I should actually know it. I, I'm terrible. I don't remember these things. But regardless, he's Dude, so people, good. Wasn't it Greenlight hitting? Yeah, well, that's his program, right. Greenlight hitting, and then if I think about it. But regardless, um, he, he does such a good job of talking about, like, where kids are at, right? So I think the answer's different, right? So, you know, if you're talking to a bunch of 18-year-olds that, let's say 16 to 18-year-olds that tell you that they want to be Division One baseball players, like, they have no idea what that means, no right? Idea. And they need to be reminded of that. But then there's this inclusion of, like, hey, r like, r allowing them to recognize or even just, like, pointing out those moments of, like, this is when you get really proud. This is when, like these are the kinds of things that you should feel joy about and it's good and like lean into that right talk about lean into that right like just just help them understand what the expectations are and what the boundaries are right and and they're going to always play back and forth so um i know you've talked a little bit about parenting and i'm kind of dabbling in a little bit now um just with my girlfriend having a five-year-old and it, and one thing that she brought up the other day is like I love how you're laughing. I'm sorry. That was just like such a weird transition and I had to giggle. I'm no, sorry. listen, 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 because he's testing the boundaries all the time. 100%. And, Dude. And, and so at five, right, it's like. So is Alex. Oh, everybody is, right? But this is the thing, right? So a five-year-old, you, you could crush their ability to want to do that forever, right? So if yeah. at five, you just yeah. are like. No, you can't. I'm in charge. You can't push those boundaries. Like, it, it literally. And you think about the implications of that. You see it all of the time in kids, right? So, for, uh, my 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 final answer is like, I don't actually know, <laughs> but I also know that creating specific boundaries for them, right, and and allowing them to recognize like this is when we're in these situations, right? This is how I want you to behave, um, for these reasons. And if you have issues with the, my expectations of that, like, then you tell me, right? And then through that, then I can really let them do whatever they want to do. Like I create those and then I let them play or I let them practice. So that's kind of how I, I see things a little bit um, on, on allowing that to happen. John, you, you're raising your hand over there. Yes. I, okay. So I, I see what he's talking about. And I'm going to answer it in the strategy of how I would. What? And the reason why I'm going to go back to technology and why the radar gun is so important. You have to understand what level you are and what you're getting to. So we live in a leaderboard society, and this is why Call of Duty killed it. Call of Duty changed the entire thing. It's what Hit Tracks is. You can go on Hit Tracks and see you as the top exit velos. Uh, Rap Soto is starting to put it out where they have their same thing where you can go in and it's a verified data situation. But you know what the easiest thing to do on the verified data? is look at the college you're trying to play and see what the velos are, okay? Right. So if the guy throws 92-94 and you're excited about 65, you run down to the Little League World Series and you let them know that you're facing a Little League pitcher right now and it doesn't count because right. that's not the level that you're at. Right. So if you want to get jacked about like maybe challenging yourself and having fun inside of it, let's crank it to 95 right now and it's going to take you a year and a half to figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Right. This is, this is not an mm -hmm. easy game. No, right? it's not. And so you have to work on the idea and then you have to test the idea. Right. You work on it. You test it. You work on right. it. You test it. You work on it. You test it. You keep refining. Right. Uh, shout out to Ford versus Ferrari for a phenomenal movie. I'm going to reference it again, 
but they talked about the driver, Ken Giles, and um, Carol Shelby spent a year and a half building and rebuilding their race car just to figure out how to get it to go fast enough inside of this 24-hour race because the deal with the 24-hour race is that everything breaks down. So they, the only way the guy could literally see if the car was going to do anything was by driving it for 24 hours. That's the only way he could see it happen, right? They, they couldn't simulate it. There's too many variables that go into this stuff. So if you're not even into the idea and trying to get as close as you can to the situation that you're going to be in, you, you can't even imagine what it's going to be. I, I, go back right, to, right. I go back to my first time throwing in front of a massive crowd, right? I was scared. And then once you get inside the game, you real after one pitch, you're like, oh, it's just like every other day. It's yeah. just a lot of people around, right? right? So I just have to play the game. I have to go into my sequences and know that this guy's going to swing first pitch. I'm going to throw that dirty, dirty cutter. If I bounce it, it's 1-0, no big deal. Then I'm going to throw a slider at his face, a fastball inside, and then I bounce another slider. I'll just lead on that sequence for my entire life until I die because I know it works. Right. Right. So if I can play those games and learn what those games are from what the best do, then I can apply it on either side of the ball because then it's just paying attention to understand what information's coming at you. I want to have a conversation about our whole conversation. Let's start this. Okay, so I, I have a joy. A of and that's joy. And that's joy. Right. And this right. is joy. So, so I want to first start to piggyback with Cass and what you said. So again, right, martial arts, right? When you're learning to engage with someone, you don't start with the person that has six years of experience, right? But also, where are you? Where do you want to go? Okay. So you're a, like, let's say you're a 14-year-old freshman. You want to play D1 baseball, right? Well, I can't feed you to 94 to start, but I can tease you with it. I'm like, today we're going to face Velo. And like, then every Monday you're like, dang it. I know it's velo day today, you know, and then you build it up. Then like after a few months and it's like, okay, now we got velo day two times a week. Or instead you go like, uh, hey, we're going to go Walker Bueller slider day. And then it's like, damn it. Like now you've got another thing, but you're constantly introducing, but not going too far. You know what I mean? Like just teasing it and just getting it enough of it. And yeah. then eventually you have an expectation. Okay. You've done velo day 50 days in the past two years. You know what velo is. Now I can do it two or three days a week because now you understand it. You may not nail it all the time, but now you understand it. Is that like, is that something that you guys would do like with your throwing? Like, hey, this guy is, I mean, throwing so much different than hitting, you know, because there's like, I just thought here's, here's one thing. Again, a conversation about this conversation. When you said the first time I looked at a crowd, my brain goes, dude, I've never registered that because guess where my back is too? these guys i'm just the games in front of me so that doesn't even register like when you said that i was like oh shit that might be a trip you know like like standing here and being like yeah stop it there's yeah, a stop lot it. of people here yeah. stop and look up yeah sixty thousand is the most i've ever thrown like, in front of them. i was like this is this is a, a lot, lot of people, people. for this me it was five thousand. Yeah. so i got to play in front of five thousand people guess where they were they're behind me so like i don't even notice but then the pitcher in front of me like he spikes one like he gets i'm like yeah Whoa yo let's calm down it's just the game but again his perspective is like dude there's all this happening so yeah that was interesting i never thought about that that's super, well, and that's the exact same idea that goes into when we get 35 scouts behind home plate with the radar guns 
Mm -hmm. and you see and you see the 17 or 18 on kill melt on the mound mm -hmm. because he's like i have to do so well i have to do so well right yeah like, it's not that easy the first couple times that no. you do it so you gotta you know what i mean I wish people watch me pitch cool so the next thing that i want to bring up is oh, so I'm sorry i'm sorry so hold on i have one th one more thing yeah, yeah. so all i keep hearing is like so we're talking about boundaries and, and I, you know how big of a Jordan Peterson fan I am um, Love and it's, and it's chaos and order, right? So mm -hmm. it's this, if you go too far, if you, if you have a 10 year old face 95, it's just too much chaos. So yeah. in his brain, he's like, that's hell. That's the worst yeah. thing I could, you know what I mean? It just gets there too fast. Right. And then order is like, dude, I've been, I, I don't want to see my dad throw me underhand front toss anymore every day like that's just the most boring thing ever right yeah. that's too much order that's too that's the kid that spends too much time on the tee right that's the kid that like doesn't get out and face live at bats like it's it's these things right it's it's always the kid whose dad goes short dart toss and you can see it in a swing you know like i see that one too i see a kid that's like ha ha because their dad's just like bink you know? yeah that's throwing it into the bat <laughs> yeah, like, but he, sorry to cut you off, Cass. No, but I get what you're saying. I was just gonna say you had a question for me. So I have a question for you. Testing the boundaries. We're not gonna go into like the relationship side, but testing the boundaries of somebody you don't know, right? Like a new kid you're coaching, or a new kid that you have a relationship with, or a new person that you're with. How do we go about that from a coaching perspective? Because I need to elicit a response from you that I need to see to verify that you're doing well or that you're understanding what I'm doing. But I also have to, I can't outstep that boundary or else you're going to go, nope, I'm not doing that adjustment. You know what I mean? So like, how do we play with that? How do we find that? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's I don't the know the conversation. I'm asking you like, like no, I know it's the conversation yeah. we're having right now. It's like, yeah. I think it comes, I mean, I'm a communication major and I think I, I, I don't know how often I bring this up, but, well, the second last class of your major um, before you do your thesis is um, Western rhetorical. It's basically the philosophy of rhetoric. And I just dominated all the papers. It was three huge papers and I got 90, 98, 99. I, like, I never do that. And it was just so easy for me. So it's obvious that I care about how we deliver a message. And I know that I'm not very good at it, or I don't feel like I'm very good at it. So, you know, I'm overcompensating in, in a way that's just personal to me, right? So anyway, you're asking me, about, okay, so I think it's so important to, sh to be very explicit about what you are trying to accomplish as a coach, program, whatever. And, and then like making it very obvious that those are the expectations, period, end of discussion. So I bring up my uh, old coach, Jim Egan, all the time. They, they ran a program called Next Level Baseball. And he's like, I'm going to run this every Sunday and Wednesday night. And if you can make all of the sessions, you're in, right? If you can't, then don't join the program. Because this is a program that is limited because we're in Minnesota. And this is, and you're, you need to come to every single session because it's progressive and you need to be here, period. And they had such buy-in, right? They had so many good kids that they had kids that were really good athletes, but had never been trained to throw a baseball. 
right? And so they just made them more functional in a baseball sense. It was it was basically Ron Wolferth, Texas Baseball Ranch kind of stuff back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, but it didn't matter, right? It was the conviction of this is what we are. And I think people are scared to be so, you know, direct and explicit. You know, we want to be so inclusive and I don't, and I mean that, right? I've been very guilty of this. I didn't want to say that I was a pitching coach, right? I don't, I, I, it's hard for me to say that I'm just a throwing guy because I know a ton about hitting. And the more that I know about movement, I'm like, dude, baseball is not that hard. Like, it's not. I need to, I need to know the strategy more of like, sorry to I anybody to who thinks I'm arrogant for saying that or Cass is no. arrogant. Sorry, but like, no, it's, it's not, it's, Once it's you not if movement, you're playing a strategy uh, game, if it's like yeah. chess or you're like playing a video game and you're not handling the movement, the game itself is not that hard. Mm-mm. But 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 the but the 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 what we're trying to accomplish physically isn't as complicated as people are making it. Like no. and that's the timing of you, it is hyper complicated. Exactly. Oh, right. Right. But right? The action like, is not. Exactly. Right. Yeah, like I, so, score, just score one more run than the other team, you win the game. Just outscore them. Like, defense yeah. doesn't win championships. You literally have to outscore the opponent. Oh, man. My Babe Ruth coach would argue with you on that one. Well, <laughs> he was a good coach. Like, really good, respected coach. We raked for well, some how reason. Ironic, how ironic is it that your Babe Ruth coach would argue that defense wins championships? Right. The guy you was literally I mean? the sultan of SWAT. Right. But <laughs> what was funny, and I want to go back to what Cass was talking about. I was, I was doing this with the kids the other day. I was like, do you know how many times I worked on – hitting when I was growing up and they were like, how much? I was like, never. Our coaches were pounding us into defense. And I go, I was a hell of a defensive catcher, but guess what I couldn't do? And they were like, hit very well. I was like, like you max out at a certain point on that raw talent deal. Because again, the movement's not hard. The, the, it's the strategery, as we like to say, and the timing that are hard. Those are what you have to coach. Once a kid understands, hey, wait back, foot down, boom. Okay, don't complicate it. Now it's about timing that and sequencing it together. And then, like, what Cass said is the chaos and the order. Like, how can I make something hyper-chaotic, but also it has enough order that you don't give up? Like, it's a, it's a weird balance of that. That's why I like live at-bats. Super chaotic because I mean, fuck this, you could take me deep, but at the same time, there's order, there's no like downfall. Okay, you just got to hit whatever, that's it. You know, it's just like he just got it. It's like situational sparring. Like, so we'll do it's like a situation, ball. it's, wiffle, it's ball. wiffle ball. So, here's one of my favorite things that coaches don't do unless they're a high level coach situational scrimmaging or situational sparring. Hey, today, all day, guys on first and third, no outs. Everybody, every pitcher that comes in, that's your first situation. You got to get three outs. Then a pitcher comes in, they're like, oh, this sucks. But like you were put there, you know, like it's not like you, you got to that position. So like if you give up a run, like you shouldn't wear it like, oh man, I suck. No, no, no. We put you in a situation where like you were most likely going to fail. Now it's how do you deal with it? Right. And then it's a major victory if nobody scores there. Like you celebrate that. Yeah, and the way we do it in jujitsu would be like, okay, Cass is going to be in mount on Alex. Cass, your job is to try to stay there, but don't be a dick and look for submissions and just try to own him. Alex's job is to get up. 
you then facilitate that relationship. Like Cass might be like, okay, can Alex like get up? Okay. He can get up now. Like, can he get up if I move my weight over here? Okay. No, he can't really do that. I'm just going to keep my weight over here till he learns. Right. And I feel like that's really relevant in, in baseball, but we don't train it. Right. And, and I think in football, they nail that. I think football nails that often. Cause it's like third and five, second and seven, you know, we need so much to go. Right. Where in baseball, I don't see that as much as I just see go play, which is great. You got to just go play. But then again, what happens when you get into the situation where you got guys on second and third and I'm going to call, you know, John from the bullpen. John's like 60,000 people. Okay. But you have to have that. Like if you haven't done the reps, you haven't done the reps. Yeah. And that position in the game is a rep, right? Again, that's the chaos and order thing. I have to give you just as much order. Okay, now it's you come in with a runner on first. This guy is going to bunt every time, and then you got to get your next two outs. You know, stuff oh, like that. You just hurt me so hard. But the, people oh. are playing the game that way, John. Don't I put know. me in a box. Well, and, and, and the biggest thing, the biggest thing that gets me going is that to me, the Babe Ruth coach that we're talking about, or just like the the youth coach, right? They know the strategy. Right. This is yeah, what infuriates yeah, yeah. me is they could actually teach kids how to play the game better, but yes. they get caught up in like teaching them how to swing and teaching them how to throw and teaching them how to catch and like do bunt defenses and like they're yeah. missing or, the or, or bad first to third place to score a run against a 10 year old because he's going to panic on the mound. Right. And it's like just, yeah, but, but it's, it's also confusing, right? This goes, this is where I get really long witted and I talk about how major league baseball has a responsibility to disseminate better information and that that should be controlled and that should be like regulated and it just it's not it's just the wild west but here we are making a podcast so listen up <laughs> yeah right these are just three guys coming from literally three different points of the united states and all of us seem to have the same symptom of like what the fuck like why we you were in minnesota i was in california john's in florida that is totally different portions of the world but we all got the same type of baseball like what how how does that happen like there is something where like the variety has to happen like again certain things need to be the same about baseball but like the idea of west coast baseball should have never been a thing <laughs> like the whole west coast plays the same way like that was a real thing like hey this is what we're gonna do we're gonna get a guy on we're gonna bunt we're gonna go backside to right field then maybe our four hitter is gonna get a base hit if not we're gonna do it again the next inning and he, okay, okay. So this gets into my favorite part about it. When you like, as a pitcher, and you know what the offensive strategy is, this is when you can exploit it, right? Right. If I if I know that right. you're going to bunt every time you're on first base, I'm just going to throw banger curveballs because I know your hands are going to move differently. You're going to bunt it straight back to me, and I'm going to turn a double play. Thank and there's you. this weird thing Thank that you. coaches have. There's this yeah. weird thing that coaches have where it's like you know what Cal State Fullerton was going to do in 2005 when you played them. Yeah. You knew it, but you still didn't do that. Yeah. Like, and, and God why? forbid you do a practice where you, instead of throwing a bullpen to a catcher, you got out there and we're like, all right, we're going to practice throwing bangers for a strike with yes. the guy bunting. That's, Miss we're his gonna do. We're just going to do it. You're just going to throw nasty yeah. bangers all day. Ha! Okay. Ha! Right? Okay, Catcher, stay this. down. Don't move. You got to catch it for a strike. I know a coach, and I will not name him because he's a – but he told me that – Hitting bunting curveballs is so much easier than bunting fastballs. How dare like, you? 
Bro. Bro. What curveball are you bunting, dude? I know. I know. Like no anyway. I might anyway, say so I think hitting curveballs a lot easier than hitting fastballs. Once you figure out the break, it's like, oh, fuck. I'm just going to sit here and just soft toss. <laughs> yeah, but, dude, you have my – our breaking balls are pretty good over here at Cutter Nation. So, like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see, I didn't see a lot of people hitting my curveball with a bunt anyway. Right. So I was oh, happy to throw. Not bunt. I was just happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, I guess we'll find out. Hmm? We will we'll find, find out. out. <laughs> we will find out. <laughs> yeah. But the the reason why I say that is because fastballs, and this is again just a hitter talking that was also a catcher. Fastballs tend to have that like that spin ratio. Where if you don't have a trained eye to pick up spin, you miss a lot. But a mm-hmm. lot of people know where the trajectory of a breaking ball spin is going to go because they can see like, hey, the the break is going this way. I can see that spin. But when you throw fucking cutters and I can't <laughs> see where that thing is going, that's where the line gets drawn to where now I don't know if it's fastball or curveball. That's why. Your curveballs are hard to hit because they look exactly the same, and then one of them's gonna go Bugs Bunny, and I can't do anything about it. That's this my is opinion. where I tell you, like the, the jujitsu game that we are playing. If 100%. I hide the spin, you don't know what ball is coming. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, do you guys know who Simber is? I think for the Indians, that li- or Kimber Simber. I was watching him pitch last night against the White Sox. Yeah, with the C. Yes, that dude's gross. Just sorry that we're talking about hiding the ball and stuff like that yesterday. Dude's coming from like down here at like 76, but he is like, he's preset. So he's like, you can't see the ball at all. And he's also like arms and legs, like a condor. So he's huge. And he, he was throwing these sliders that I would have loved John to see. Cause like, I want to know, this is just a, again, a catcher thing. When you're coaching guys, like, have you coached a guy to submarine doing what you're doing? Have you coached a guy down <clears throat> the slot? Mr. Rojas, I threw a year submarine, sir, and I can still do it. But are you coaching guys <laughs> down the slot? You know what yeah, I mean? Of course, like, yeah, we, okay. yeah, exactly. We actually have a kid that made a phone call. Cass and I haven't talked about this, but he called me, and he's just – he thinks he wants to give it a shot. He thinks that he could probably get up to upper eights because that's what I told him. The only way he's going to get to the show to do that is if he can get to upper eights from down there. So, Wait, you dude, didn't upper eights right? from the southern. No, position. I did not. Yeah, fuck. This man, is gr- This is G. Yes, yes. This is G. Gosh, yeah. that G for gosh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, no. Oh, I had one more. I had one more question. So, what were you going to ask about the slider? So, uh, well, what I was going to ask about the slider is when you guys are constantly teaching people, okay, to go into this like this supination position, right? but you're coming from here, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're coming this way. How do I do this? You don't. That's, it, it's not possible. Okay, so what am I doing? You have to sweep across your body low. Oh, so the ball falls no. off your index finger, and then it's side spin. Ah, now that reminds me of my next question. I'm talking to the two perfect guys. Throwing strikes this morning, my coach goes, you'll connect to this. Throwing stir. He goes, throwing strikes, I can tell how you throw a ball. And I was like, interesting. And I was like, can you keep talking about that? And he said, throwing a ball tells you a lot about the athleticism of a person. And I couldn't agree more. And I wanted to know your guys' thoughts since you specialize in teaching people how to throw. And you sent me that picture of the 10-year-old with the coño throw. Like, that yeah. dude's awesome. I showed him to all the dudes at our facility. They're like, dude, that kid could throw. I was like, yes. 
just a bah! Like, I love that. But how have you seen someone's movement change? Not pitching movement, but just kind of like their overall athleticism change by addressing how they throw. Or do you go athleticism first and then throwing? I'm just curious. And I don't want you guys to give out your in and out secret sauce, but just like from a, a philosophical standpoint, how have you guys seen movement evolve based on teaching guys how to throw better? Well, so at the youngest level, it's like, so this is why it's so important to just teach kids to throw at eight, right? So if you get kids on a radar gun at eight and they're also active, right? It's kind of like they breathe it itself. So I think the, the hard part is like trying to learn how to throw aggressively at a later age because you, you really have to find the athleticism in the movement, right? Everything's really, really distal in the lower half, right? Like you get, you, you get, hold on, give me a second. That was a good one. That's a good one. Find your athleticism in the movement. But I think that's what, like, that's that's also what. um, You were front row. We had that. We had that. that That's what we had to do in baseball, dude. I know. I hated it. Yeah, Yeah, I stuck out like a sore thumb. Oh, you're an athlete, Um, aren't you? Uh, Except for math class, I fall asleep in the back. (laughs) <laughs> sorry, sorry, Jeff. By all means, Jeff. Get me, ahead. get me back on track. Give me. Oh, I'm talking so, about find your find athleticism, athleticism inside your movement. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I was bringing up the who the heck is the um, location nation? I'm blanking oh, on his name. Peace, Dustin Peace. Okay, and and he's talking about how if he just throws and throws and throws and throws and throws and throws and throws, that velocity is going to like birth out of that. And I think that there's something to be said there because I don't think that, um, you know, I don't think John picks up the ball every day to try to throw it to the to the other side of the county, right? I think he's he's timing it, right? He's he's picking his moments for when he's going to unleash, right? And every now and then he's going to pick up a ball like he's in the circus and just like, hey, watch, I can throw ninety in like three throws, and and it's like literally a party trick, but that's not how he's acting all the way. So it seems to me that the answer is simply like, if you threw a ton from a really young age, you would be a pretty impeccable athlete because Hmm. it just demands you to be right. Um, But, but I don't know what else you could do. Right. I don't know how that would transfer to other things. You know, um, I think about my experience of having every, everything right see ya um <laughs> uh, <laughs> <right by. laughs> i wonder what happened well, oh, his, well, phone, so, his phone died so or something i'm just gonna keep going because i don't want to lose my train of thought here so so th- what i'm going at is like i wakeboarded i skied i i i had the breathing concepts of a musician right i was taught how to breathe i was taught how to relax we did like back massages before we sang in choir like all of these things and my brain wasn't able to recognize how to bring them all together. Right? You Sorry, guys. I got a phone call. It's, it's okay. Sorry about that. Can you hear us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I learned how to Cass critically think. talking about how he got back No, I got it. 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 I got I'm going to have to listen to back on that one. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I learned how to critically think much later. 
So I didn't really learn how to critically think like really, really well until I was like 21, 22, maybe. And I feel like I got a lot more rational at 25. But my point is, is that I wonder, and this is just because I didn't have this experience, right? I'm wondering if the grass is greener on the other side, is if you don't do everything under the sun, right? At a young age, when you do something more specifically just one thing and then like have diversify all the other things. Like don't, you know, don't get good at like, don't try to get good at seven things. Just find that one thing that you're willing to put your time into. um, Because I think then that will bleed into everything else, right? Where I wasn't able to see how to be really good at something because I got kind of good at everything, right? Mm. I was, I was athletic enough to just like be competent in a small school in the middle of nowhere. Right. So I showed up and I was starting varsity football, baseball. I, I went to state in diving and I was a varsity wrestler as a freshman in high school after didn't starting. I didn't start wrestling until sixth grade. You know what I mean? Like and I played hockey as a kid. It's just like over and over. I never got good at anything. Like the closest thing was probably like, well, it was baseball, probably. I mean, obviously. Right. There's baseball and, and fishing, to be honest with you. Goodness, can I fish? I'll take you fishing for sure. Let's go fishing, bro. I'm going hunting tomorrow. Let's go fishing. Let's go Ooh, fishing yeah. sometime for real. Yeah, by the yeah, yeah. Do you know I hunt too? Like I've do you hunt for real? Yeah, I've I've killed five bucks. Let's life. go hunting. Let's do it. Let's bring a spear. Let's go <laughs> throw it. <laughs> I'm a bow hunter, so like I think a lot about like ballistics. Yeah, Alex, just point me and tell me to throw it. Yeah, dude, John, like John from a tree stand with like a fucking spear, dude. It's just like he's here, he's right here. John in a tree stand would be like just like this, like he'd be like Ugh. in a tree stand, no chance. But you would yeah. see him conyo the finish 100 yeah, exactly. wherever he is, just, just hit yeah. that. So here's here's my next question, then, Cass. So if that needs if to be growing, on a shirt, by the way, hundred percent conyo fit, dude. Can you make a Cutter Nation conyo finish shirt? Like yes, that would I be can. great. I gotta, I gotta call the Dominican Republic and get approval first. Hundred <laughs> percent, and an official, and, and like an official endorsement, like from the DR. Like that, hey, that would be. Great. I'm on your side, Poppy. I'm on your. I'm side. on your side. I just want to give people the knowledge to. I'll put the flag guests. on it. I'll put yeah. the Dominican flag oh, on God, it. I I'll send you one. That. I would I'll love that. Um, I've had this question with a quarterback's coach. Okay. So throw, I agree that throwing, right. You should get more athletic. Why aren't quarterbacks athletic? Why are quarterbacks? So just huh, 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 bam, Kirk cousins type. They're good athletes, but they're like, they're welded into the ground. They don't know how to throw on the move. Like a shortstop dude. Like most shortstops in the MLB would probably make Patrick Mahomes look average. Like if you just took like a 6'2", 6'3", shortstop, that dude's going to throw the same velocity. He just needs to train the movement. Like uh, Allen Iverson, they said, was one of the best quarterbacks ever, right? They, they say that all the time. Francisco Lindor is the same size as Allen Iverson. That oh. dude would tear it up as a quarterback. He's tiny, but I mean like movement-wise, like you know what I mean? So like why are these big – bulky dudes so bad at moving okay I, I don't know i don't know the answer but i want to talk about throwing a football yeah John, do you have an do answer uh, i would guess that uh like throwing on the run is pretty center, simple it has to be center of mass right 
and yeah. like six five guys are taller, so they have to see over the line more. Right. And so like they're not running to chase the chicken or create the athleticism like the other guys are to be the right. Mike Vicks. Like they're right. not taught the same game. And like I want to say Mike Vick in high school ran some gnarly spread option. Like he was just like, you know, he probably ran 15 miles in a game if you put yeah. a if you put a tracker on him because he's just running all over the field and throwing the ball. Right. Especially if you're playing like, with him in Madden. You're exactly. taking like that full hundred like, percent. Right. But that's what he, <laughs> and I was a Florida State fan, and that's what he did at Virginia Tech. Like I remember we had one of the best defensive lines in the country when Florida State played Virginia Tech and Florida State won. And like they didn't rush him. That's how they beat him. They were just like, okay, That's we're just going to fan out. We're just going to fan That's out. Smart. We know you're going to run. You got a cannon. We're just going to rush hey. forward. Drop. Hey, fan out. <laughs> like, what's that? What's that? Is that the defensive coordinator just like <laughs> – yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's that's that makes a lot of sense. Like, I'm not going to chase you. I'm going to make you go around us, flank me. Exactly, right. And that then you know then you get into the strategy argument of football of like you know Tom Brady to the Mike Vick and like how the ball moves better. You know, the ball moves faster than the human, just like a baseball. Right. And so like you can throw it and accelerate it much faster down the field than you can run it. Something right. close. Right. Right. So uh, to me, it sounds like a strategy argument of how you're going to run your offense for what it is. But so I agree with you that they're just not trained correctly in it because right. you still got to run from the absolute monster that's trying to kill you yes. around the corner. And I get that you have this pocket presence, right? And it creates like the frame, right? And then there's like, you've got, you've got three and a half seconds and then you're getting hit. Like it's a guarantee. If you haven't thrown the ball in three and a half seconds, you're going to get hit. Right. Yeah. My, again, I'm a dummy that doesn't play football. I'm a smarter guy in baseball. But when I look at like just the logistics of this, I'm like, dude, you know how many times I've seen a catcher just pop up and kind of make an adjustment and then make a throw? I'm like, that's a quarterback. But then the quarterback has to move in and out. So I'm like, why aren't you guys like trying to do throws on the run just to build quarterbacks up? That seems like a super simple thing. And then you build that athleticism up. Like, Nobody would ever teach a shortstop just to play on their heels and then when they get to 18, learn how to go through a ball. That's like one of the first things that they teach you how to do. Charge the ball. Get into the ball. But I don't know why. And I wish that there. if you're out there in podcast land and you're a football guy and you could like talk to me. I'm not trying to be sarcastic. Like I generally no, am mean, confused. Yeah. Like why aren't quarterbacks more athletic if they're throwing a ball just as much as like baseball player, and they're running more and they're doing all these things. Like it, it just doesn't because make sense. Tom to me. Brady, because Tom Brady is being taught by Tom house. Okay. So why okay, you got beef with on. Tom house, bro? You serious? No, no. I'm like super generally curious. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> just, just watch his stuff. Like I've, I've already talked about this on the podcast. I don't mean to be dismissive to you, Alex. Oh, I mean, no, just like, yeah, he's just like he's he's very popular in San Diego because he's from around here and um his his stuff is a a little off in in ways and um he has a huge responsibility as heading the NPR or NPA <laughs> NPR. <laughs> uh, and anyway, I just need to move on. I want to talk about the football though. Okay, cuz I had a parent ask a question and when I need to answer this and I'm going to tell them to come and listen to this. So, I have we have a remote training client Isaiah and he's coming into football season and his dad is asking him how much should he be throwing his baseball versus a football? And I'm about to tell him 
you should if he's throwing the he should throw the football every day. Don't mm-hmm. put that baseball down. Become the best quarterback you possibly can be for the next three months. Throw that football in your sleep, bro, and you'll come out a great baseball thrower. Like you'll be fine. And you'll learn how to, we can come back after football season and we can take you into the gun and we can get you how to, you know, whatever you need to do, but like throw a lot of footballs. And I think that would be a great thing for his arm and his overall athleticism. And I'll say, I'll say, because throwing is throwing, throwing is throwing, throwing is throwing. And okay. So, and, and then let me, okay. So actually I, I owe him this. So this is what I know about it. Okay. Cause I've asked. Every, every single quarterback that I've met. Now, I haven't met Kirk Cousins. I haven't met some professionals. So this is literally just like high school, middle school, college. I asked But that's a bigger what, population of quarterbacks. That's a sure, much sure. larger popula- population. Okay, f- fair. So I ask all of these guys, like, what's the difference between throwing a football and a baseball? And they're like, I have no idea. And now John can actually speak to this really well. But I'll just talk to the things that I know. I cannot throw a football in the pocket. If you teach me, if, if I run, I can throw a perfect, perfect football. Okay. I cannot, I, I don't know why. Okay. And, but I also know that the things about the football, right. It's the same thing as a pile carries, right. It's the same thing as throwing a, a one kilogram or two kilogram ball, right. Your body resorts to things closer to, to center, right. It's going to shorten up on purpose. It's going to find stronger positions. And there's something about throwing a football that isn't the same. And that's a good thing, right? And so I want to, I want to become athletic no matter what I'm throwing. So I pick up a spear, right? So I'm the javelin thrower. I need to recognize that I better not be laying that back in the same way mm-hmm. that I would lay back in, in a baseball. Like this is not five ounces and this small. Right. And so I think at a young age, the more that you can like dive, this goes into my thing. Like if you're going to be a multi-sport athlete like this, this is how you do it justice. You go all in on that sport when you're doing it. And if it, if it goes against what you're doing, then you need to bring that other sport into this season as well. Right. So Mm -hmm. then you need to be cross training. Right. You know, and so if I'm a baseball player and a swimmer, right, that's an interesting dynamic. Okay, I need to be throwing throughout that swim season, right? And I should probably be swimming throughout that throwing season, mm-hmm. right? And so integrating those two things into your training, like that's actually not that complicated, mm-hmm. right? But people mm-hmm. don't think like this, right? So anyway, football, yes, I'm all about it. I think he absolutely should. I think the difference is, is that it's bigger. So you're not, we don't, you're not going to pull the football behind you as far, right? That's why quarterbacks are going to land with their chest open a little bit more. Most of their throws are, short, quick, punchy throws. We just t- got done talking about Tom Brady, right? And then John will bring up like a, a Brett Favre, right? So my answer to him was, if you're looking at a max effort football throw and a max effort baseball throw, there's really no difference, right? Brett Favre drops his hands down and then freaking rips it, right? They're not going to have as much forward trunk dynamics because they're not throwing it down, right? They're throwing it up, right? So um, yeah, fundamentally, I, I don't see that there being much difference. So. And the throws are different, just like you said, trajectory. Like that changes the whole thing into, you know, what really goes on on the mound, right? Like the deep fade and the short fade are just two different throws, right? So it, to me, it's more like learning Kobe Bryant's fadeaway or a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's hook. Or it's like it's like these these moves, just like Weck talks about. It's a move. 
like learning pitches is learning a move, right? And so Ooh, pitches. You learn, yeah, you didn't even know that that was a pun. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it, it to me, it, it's about executing those ideas and understanding mm. that that's like having those in your hip pocket, right? And having having a right on right change, having a front door cutter, having a first pitch curveball for a strike, having a strikeout curveball, having a backdoor two seam, having a slider that starts at your face, right? Having double up change ups and doing what you have to do, right? Mm. Having four straight fastballs on your mm. hands. I don't right? know why that just sang to me, but that was because kids are like, Hey, what do you throw? And they're like a two seam, four seam curveball and a changeup. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. right? I've never ever, I've never seen a kid that says that I have a two seam and then has a good two seam. I've never seen it. Yeah. Like the kid that has a good two seam, you, you're just like, oh my gosh, you throw a two seam? He's like, yeah. Like that's that guy, right? It's never the kid that says I have a two yeah. seam. Yeah, it's Taylor but, but Ahern. And, and Taylor Ahern, and he's got 12 inches of horizontal movement and he has no idea why. <laughs> okay. All right. It's 10 o'clock row. You got to go. Yeah, well, hold on. Sure. I got I got a few I got a few more minutes here. I wanted to give you guys a shout out for helping out with Mateus, my client. Uh, you guys did awesome work with him. After I mean, John and I basically did like a like a teamwork release session, and then we went into throwing. So that was awesome. For those of you who don't know, I work at a facility in Northern California, and we were having a kid who. Um, he didn't come to us with an arm injury, but he suffered another arm injury. He had like three arm injuries at like 15. So like, I couldn't even imagine the mental state of a kid like who has three arm injuries at 15. I think I was three at 16 and I was already like, dude, I suck at throwing. And <laughs> I remember, I remember exactly how I felt. And so I had to, I had a conversation before you guys got in there and I was like, I get it from a physiological, uh, like a physiological level, like what you're going through, but from an emotional and a mental standpoint, I have no idea how this feels. So I want you guys to know you made that kid so much happier, so much faster through what you guys do. And I know that's a big part of why you guys do what you do. So I wanted to give you a face to face since I can't come give you guys a hug in San Diego, but I can tell you guys face to face, like you help that kid so fast in such a positive manner. And then I watched those videos that he sent and I'm like, this isn't the same kid. And so in the short amount of time that what you guys did, I appreciate you guys for doing that. And I would also like to say that if, and I'm going to plug you guys real quick. So you guys can use this for like a snippet. I'm going to give you permission to use my, use my voice and all that. If you're like interested in understanding how to properly rotate your body through space, I think you guys are the best bet right now. Um, I follow a lot of people on rotation and you guys know what I talk about all the time. Like, you know, like part of my philosophy, you guys hit a lot of nails on the head without teaching movement through the way that people teach movement, like ropes, clubs, maces, body weight, all that fun stuff. What I see from Cutter Nation athletes are athletes that move through free space without exerting energy. It's like the inertia is just behind them and they're just like, yep, I'm just going that way. Like I'm just letting everything go this way instead of like the forward drive where it's like, I'm going to move through space. You guys have like an elegance through space that I've seen in countless of your athletes. I sent you a bunch of screenshots yesterday, dude. I was just like screenshotting, screenshotting, screenshotting. I'm like, yep, 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 yep. And it doesn't matter if they're 10 or if they're 18. Granted, not everyone's perfect, but the quality of movement that I see from your guys is out 
outstanding. And I just wanted to give you guys a little blow up on that because I appreciate it from a guy that has to typically mechanic people and be like, okay, I got to fix this and fix this and fix this. You guys go the opposite way to where now I would work really well with you guys and be like, you know, how coach has you do this. Yes. Do that faster. Like stuff like that. So I appreciate you guys from a professional standpoint. You guys are excellent professionals. And from a personal standpoint, helping that kid out, dude, that was awesome. Seriously. You guys are, you guys are badass. Hey, I appreciate it, man. This is, uh, <clears throat> it's, it's life's work, you know? Um, he and I both got hurt. We, we have always connected over some of these questions that we've asked that are, I wish that I knew when I was 12 or 15. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like mm -hmm. even the conversation that we had with Mateus, um, th there's a fallacy that for some reason left-handers get at some point in their life. And I've heard coaches say this to kids. So I'm going to go ahead and go full disclaimer right now. You just because you're left-handed doesn't mean that you can't throw hard. That's not, it's not a real thing. Right, the fastest man on the planet's left-handed. Didn't the fastest guy who ever threw that they named yes, Bull Durham on? Wasn't he left-handed? Yeah. Yeah, of course. Right. So, like, you know, it, it's there's a weird thing because people think with with your lefty that you like for some reason that you don't have to throw as hard just because you're the uniqueness of being left-handed. I but think like he's deep, man. <laughs> they don't throw hard. I just I see lefties well. Exactly. Right. Uh, right. But if, if that lefty was still on 95, we're talking about a different thing. Whoo, that's 99 looking from your eyes and it's moving and it's coming from a weird place. Like, oh, yeah, nightmares. exactly. So, you know, I, we appreciate it totally. Um, and, and I said that to the kid and he giggled and he was like, oh, <laughs> like he just yeah. hadn't even thought of it. Yeah. You know? And I was and like, I, yeah, man, you could throw hard. It's not, you just got to keep working at it. You just got to keep throwing. Like, just try to throw harder. Yeah. Just that's keep like, doing it. Like, and because I got to head out here in about three minutes, four minutes. Like, one of the things that I really appreciate from you guys is kind of how we started the podcast with Cass, where it, it was the idea of like, how do I keep things relative to a fun and a training level? And again, I feel like you guys do a really good job of that. And, um, I think that that is really lost with a lot of coaches. I try to tap into the, the boundary of both. Like some days we're just doing obstacle courses all day for like my level one speed and agility. And they're like, Oh my God, this is so fun. But you're working on balance, timing, rhythm, getting around corners, jumping, running, like all this stuff. But then other days they're like, Hey, can we come and do an obstacle course? And I'm like, ah, we gotta have a little bit of training. And I think you guys do that in a, in a baseball like it's just throwing a ball like but there's yes. so much to it and you guys make a simple art complicated but so easy to teach like you fixed a kid in 15 minutes you did something so complicated that it took you 15 minutes because you figured out all the pieces for you to go like do this okay do you feel that okay now do that and that that's what coaching should be coaching should be a simple fix and if it's not a simple fix then you have to address the issue that's going to hit that fix and man you guys you guys are just great so that's definitely um a big praise to end this podcast is like dude you guys are awesome i seriously i want you guys to teach me how to throw because i'm like i'm looking i was catching the other day off the machine i i cranked up the machine a little bit and i was catching and kind of moving i'm like dude let's get this pop time back let's let's get i was at about a 185 right before i retired 
I'm going to so, send you a video of a catcher I worked with yesterday, and you're going to love it. I would love to. I'm, I'm doing catching class today, and so we've been doing a lot of throwing stuff. I take a lot of what I see from you guys, and I put it into a lot of the, the throwing drills that I have. And I'm seeing – like, I have a 14-year-old softball girl. The other day, she was like – she made an error, and I was like, what would you feel? She goes, I felt like I forced my hand into the free space and not my elbow. And I was like, wonderful. Make your adjustment. Let's keep going. <laughs> And she threw it again, and she was like, that felt so much better. And I was like, fucking John Sintens. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny, bro. That's good. You guys, we appreciate like, it. Oh, man. You guys just do a really good job. And I just I want people to know that because I think – I agree with you. I don't think Westerners know how to throw. And you guys are some Westerners that aren't Westerners. So I'm all about that. Dude, that's how I'm going to end my, my podcast yeah. with you guys. I'm going to hey, blow I, I, you guys up. I'm gonna, there was a question in there, too. Yeah, go ahead. It's going to take 45 seconds because, yeah. I, okay, so the first, I would say the first like six weeks I was with John, there were three different kids that came in that said that they could barely play catch and they were throwing max effort shuffle fires by the end of the session. Hmm. Like they couldn't play catch because their arm had so much discomfort. And I legit thought it was a magic trick. But then like now that I like when people run into their body, when people like are all up in here for their whole entire throw, no, no wonder that everything hurts. Right. And so just like I, I, I don't blow him up enough sometimes because uh, he doesn't need it out. But <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it's crazy, it's crazy man. man. I, it's been so long since I've seen that. So I appreciate all of the kind of words. Um, and, and it's, I don't know. It's it's still fascinating for for even us to to be honest with you. Yeah. It's crazy, right? When we have kids that are just like, "Yep, you don't have to you don't have to feel discomfort anymore." It's weird, man. So I'm gonna that, leave you on a cliffhanger. Oh, man, that's a that good one. Gamification is our secret, and so that's 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 the secret to uh, that we'll have to go at another time. But you got to go. So, well, dude, this has been great. I appreciate it. We got to run too. I don't want you to be late. Um, you're the man. Thank you. Namaste. I love you guys. Yeah, strength, Alex Rojas. Love Athletics. you too, buddy. Oh, we're getting back uh, into the strength. I've been in the lab cooking more about it. We're about to get swole. <laughs> Sweet. And, Try and to get maybe, Terry Crews' we'll chess game. Maybe we get you to throw 90. I don't know. Dude, I'm throwing 90 by the end of this year. I am Ooh. throwing 90 by the end of this year. Cass, you hear that? You hear that, Cass? Off the mound? Or shuffling. Oh, why do you gotta put me on the spot like that, bro? Because <laughs> okay, I can, I can why hit ninety to shuffle that, right now. Man. I'm, I'm searching for the mound. I've I shuffled and thrown ninety, probably. I've never seen it on a radar, but off the mound, I don't think I've ever hit like eighty-eight. That's so unfortunate. That, that That's would probably be the bigger goal. That's like the bigger goal. So that would probably stand, be the stand chaos. Still, stand That's still, right? That's the chaos. Yeah. Stand Dude, still and throw it hundred. I'm going to do it. All right. Thank you guys so much. I'll talk to you guys later. Sounds good. Right, Appreciate it, buddy. Show. See you guys. guys.